Let's go to the movies, an award season podcast. Welcome to season three, episode five. We are doing an Andrew Garfield double feature today. I will be discussing the eyes of Tammy Faye and Tick, Tick, Boom. Let's jump right in. So as of late, Andrew Garfield has been having a renaissance moment. He's been in a lot of movies. A lot of people have been noticing him again and kind of rewatching some of his older films. And so I thought it was a good opportunity to do an Andrew Garfield double feature episode. Also, just because it kind of happened naturally where I watched two of his movies most recently to put together for an episode. So first up is The Eyes of Tammy Faye, which was directed by Michael Showalter, and it has a Rotten Tomato score of 66%. So this movie follows the rise and fall of Jim and Tammy Faye Baker and their televangelist ministry. Told mostly from the perspective of Tammy Faye, portrayed by Jessica Chastain. Uh, The director, Michael Showalter, has done a few other notable things, including The Lovebirds, The Big Sick, Hello, My Name is Doris, and The Baxter. Before I get into this conversation, if anything that I say sounds very analytical or very critical of how anything is portrayed, it is rooted in some of my own beliefs and values and views on religion. So just wanted to kind of post that disclosure in advance. But initially, I was very intrigued to watch this movie, um, mostly based on the cast alone. Second, because I am kind of intrigued by televangelism and kind of that whole trajectory of religion. And I didn't really know the story of the Bakers. So I felt like it would be kind of an interesting way to kind of learn more about them. And I was very enthralled by all of it. Like, just even watching the trailers, I was very intrigued. A little bit of backstory on this film It was originally announced in May 2019. Jessica Chastain and Andrew Garfield were both attached at that time. Jessica Chastain had acquired the rights to Tammy Faye's life back in 2012. She was a producer on this film, so, you know, ultimately she kind of had the foresight to purchase those rights. Filming did begin in October 2019, and then the film was released September 24th, 2021. It is based off of a documentary. And on that note, it does kind of begin with some real-life news clips and footage. It kind of sets the tone that it is kind of rooted in what actually played out. Obviously, it's fictionalized, and it is a narrative, so it will be a little bit more dramatic um, in some instances. But I think, in general, these people seem so over the top that it's probably not too far off. That's just my opinion. Um, You... Kind of then, after that initial setting of the tone and the story, you kind of go through through the years following Tammy Faye through her life, kind of some notable moments in her childhood, up through college, and then leading up to marrying Jim Baker, who she meets in college, who is played by Andrew Garfield. And from there, you are following the rise of their ministry, which is... Um, on a network that they also developed called Praise the Lord Ministries, or PTL for short. And ultimately, this also will capture the fall of this ministry and this couple due to the financial negligence and fraud that Jim Baker was partaking in. 
it kind of is ultimately showing how it impacts Tammy Faye in her later years, since, as I mentioned, it is kind of being told from her point of view. It is, like I said, it's a very interesting story. It raises a lot of questions about televangelism and its intentions, kind of the question of preaching from the heart versus preaching for profit. And I do find it to be a very fascinating debate personally. Um, Because on one hand, I can see it completely as a manipulation of a vulnerable audience. And that's kind of like, I think the angle that they're going for is just how betrayed these people were by this ministry. But on the other hand, I can argue that it's not necessarily a bad thing if it actually did introduce somebody to God and religion and faith, and then they could kind of just take it from there and run with it in their own direction. So it's kind of like a roundabout way of still kind of achieving the goal that they set out to do. And that is purely me just trying to be devil's advocate and trying to understand both sides of the story as somebody who has compassion for people and (laughs) tries to see the good in them. Um, but like, as I mentioned, it is a very interesting discussion. So if that is something that's ever kind of piqued your interest, then this is definitely a film worth watching just from that aspect alone. So the way that Tammy Faye is portrayed in the movie as like her person and her character is that her heart was genuinely in a good place of wanting to help people and love people. And she kind of seemingly just got caught up in the bad business of it all. So even from that perspective, it's kind of like a double-edged sword. Like you had Jim Baker, who you could argue was purely in it for profit, even though he did have kind of a knack for preaching. But Tammy Faye Baker felt like this was just her platform, and she wasn't really caught up in the business initially, just kind of fell victim to it. Um, in general... One of the first things I thought was that this film did give me a lot of Righteous Gemstones vibes, which is a show on HBO, if you are not familiar with it. And it kind of characterizes and makes fun of and kind of turns into a satire, the megachurch televangelist kind of lifestyle, like the -the over-the-top hair and makeup and living on a compound and having a singing mother and just kind of all those elements. And so I'm positive that there was some influence on that show from this real-life couple and their ministry. There, there just had to be. Now, as I was mentioning, one of the big draws for this movie to me was the actors. And the acting was stellar, for lack of a better word. Like, I just, it, it really was. Um, something I mentioned in my episode about being the Ricardos was how it was kind of hard to not see past Nicole Kidman. Like, you kind of were just, like, aware that you were watching Nicole Kidman. But with this film, I felt like it was the total opposite. Like, I felt like Jessica Chastain was Tammy Faye. Like, she was so immersed in that character down to the voice of the character that you really did lose the sense that it was Jessica Chastain portraying her. And you kind of had to just kind of look past all of the makeup and the mess in her life and but like Jessica Chastain was able to capture that about her like she was able to capture that essence and yeah it was just a really well done performance she 
did her own singing, which was phenomenal. She had uh, that Minnesota accent and the high-pitched voice kind of going on. It was really, like, I feel like I'm just a broken record here, but it just really was fantastic. Like, she she was great. Um, I was really blown away by it. Her hair and makeup were also unreal and wild, and it's just crazy to me that this is how this woman actually made herself up and genuinely felt like this was how she had to make herself up. Um, it was almost like a caricature of herself, like how she thought she needed to look. And there are moments when that is kind of a topic of discussion, not directly, but maybe kind of indirectly, just like how done up she is, but she just kind of owned it. Now, by the end of the movie with her character, particularly, I did feel kind of sad for her, but because she kind of lost her way, she didn't really know how to go about doing what she felt called to do. She was kind of disgraced. Um, so in the end of the movie, when she finally is invited to perform somewhere after all these years, she, you could tell, like, she just comes to life on stage and it felt like a reminder to me, maybe not to everyone, but that she just kind of had this way of ministry deep within her and she just needed to have these opportunities to sing and spread her word. And she, like I said, just kind of got wrapped up with the wrong people in the wrong situation and when she was actually just able to kind of fall back into her comfort zone, you could just kind of see that was just her like natural way about her. So yeah, she was fantastic. Um, Andrew Garfield, obviously he's great. He was solid. He did great voice work as well. He had good mannerisms. He was very convincing as somebody with this charisma and this like natural preaching ability as to why he would be so easily followed by all these people that were watching their network and donating money to them. <laughs> and I'm always impressed, especially when uh, British actors portray English-speaking people or American-English-speaking people, and you can kind of forget that they are British, and Andrew Garfield does that flawlessly. So, yeah, broken record with him as well, but he was great. Um... I think overall, it's very interesting to kind of look at the evolution of televangelism and even ministry in the modern age with like mega churches and such, mostly because initially that was a way to kind of get the word out, traveling around, speaking to people. And then at some point, it did kind of cross the line of genuine preaching over profit. Not like using television is a good way to reach people, but it's also kind of like, you have to, like, draw a line to what end are you going to be using the television to reach people. So to me, Tammy Faye, at her root, how she was portrayed by Jessica Chastain, um, kind of does reflect what true Christianity should be about, just loving people and embracing them no matter what. Um, even if it wasn't conveyed publicly that way, I could tell that, like, at her root, she was striving to be that person. She's even a very big LGBT advocate, and that is such a touchy subject in the faith-based community. And just to kind of see her approach towards it, like love everyone no matter what, you don't exclude anybody. It spoke a lot to me because those are some values that I hold. And it was kind of interesting just to see that she wasn't really in it for greedy reasons. 
And you literally, like I think I did mention, you just kind of had to look past all the makeup and the big mess of the Baker Ministries and all of that and just kind of see, like, what were they actually about. And, yeah, it was a great movie. It's on HBO Max if you would like to watch it. And I'm positive it will be nominated for some awards. Definitely acting for Jessica Chastain. I wouldn't be surprised if Andrew Garfield got an acting award as well. Uh, Maybe hair and makeup, costumes, things of that nature, just because they honed into that era so well. Kind of like that 80s, early 90s kind of kitschy colors and big hair vibe. And uh, apart from that, I'm not sure if it's going to hold a lot of weight in other categories, but it would be a travesty, excuse me, a travesty to not nominate Jessica Chastain for this role. Um, as of now, all the films I have seen, she's probably one of my top contenders in who I would like to win. So I guess we'll kind of just have to see how all that plays out and what ends up happening. But again, this is a solid movie to watch and it's currently on HBO Max. And that is The Eyes of Tammy Faye. Next up, we have Tick, Tick, Boom, which is currently on Netflix directed by Lin-Manuel Miranda, has a Rotten Tomato score of 88%. This is Miranda's first directorial debut, which actually, through me, I actually think I thought that he had done In the Heights, but then realized he did not direct that. He just did all the music, and it was kind of inspired by his show. But he's so wrapped up in a lot of movies that it was a very easy mistake to make. However, this was a great first film for him, and kind of awesome that he was finally able to kind of get that aspect of filmmaking under his belt. Uh, This plot, it follows John Larson's life as he is living in New York and trying to make it as a playwright. John Larson will eventually go on to write Rent, for those who are unfamiliar with him. Um, During this story, he is shopping around a musical that he has written, all the while getting inspiration from his life for what will eventually become Rent. It is not a making of Rent. It is actually based on the musical Tick, Tick, Boom, which was also something I did not realize going into it. Did not diminish my viewing experience, but it did kind of throw me off because I kept waiting for something (laughs) from Rent to pop up or some song or something, and it did not. Um, I was pleasantly surprised, though, that there was more to it than just how Rent was eventually made. Uh, For some disclosure for the listeners. I am not the hugest fan of Rent based on the music alone, and part of that stems from being in middle school orchestra. We had to play a lot of show tunes for some reason, and that was just one that did not translate well to an orchestra, and from that alone kind of turned me off to it. But this movie changes my perception a hundred percent and has me more intrigued Uh, into the story and the characterization and things of that nature. So right off the bat, this movie did something to change how I watch film and musicals, which is a win in my book. Now, as I mentioned, this is based on a stage musical of the same name, and Larson began performing that in 1990, which is when this movie is based. It is semi-autobiographical, One of the producers of the film was inspired to make it into a film in 2014 after seeing Lin-Manuel Miranda performing in a production of it in New York. The film was announced in 2018, and then Andrew Garfield joined that project later that year. Filming began in March 2020, 
They were only able to film for eight days before the pandemic shut it down. And then production resumed in September of 2020 and wrapped in November of that same year. Now, it was released in November 2021. It had a limited theatrical release prior to the full release on Netflix, which is kind of Netflix model. And they had started doing that even before the pandemic. They obviously lean into it more once everything started shutting down. Uh, I personally don't recall seeing it in a theater near me, but I also was not really actively looking for theater movies around that time. So it's kind of a toss up on my end where I am in Atlanta if it was actually in a theater. So the film uh, begins and ends with what looks like home video kind of provides context leading you into and out of the story. There is like a voiceover over those videos. It is the actors in what looks like the video, but it was inspired from direct footage that they were able to find of Larson. When they were originally uh, doing these parts, they planned to be filmed regularly, just on regular cameras, and then they were going to give that home video effect in post-production. But it turned out to not look how they were really wanting it, so they ended up filming it on actual beta cam, so literally just recreating the original beta cam footage that they found, which I think is kind of cool that they utilized that original way of filming and you can really tell because it has just like that grainy look and kind of puts you into that era and that mindset so I did not dislike that I just found that to be a little fun fact of the filmmaking process and it did add that level of real reality and it does establish that this is based on true life the filmmakers did do months of research and interviewing to help capture some of those moments of Larson's life. So again, as obviously it's a fictional narration, but they were trying to capture as much true story and moments as they could. The film did jump back and forth from the musical that was being performed to scenes playing out. So it opens with a narration from John Larson, who you eventually learn is acting out his stage show And meanwhile, the film is portraying the scenes of that stage show. And it's all a retelling of an actual stage show. It's just like insanely meta. And it's confusing to explain. It makes sense when you're watching it, but it's it's just so meta. Like, I can't handle it sometimes. But I did enjoy that that was how it was portrayed. Um, So you were able to kind of get that live theater aspect kind of following the linear plot at the same time of him trying to make it in New York. Uh, Andrew Garfield was radiant, of course. He played this character so well, and he really had you convinced that he had this passion and this drive for playwriting and musicals. And he um, also just kind of had, like, this longing to be someone. And he had this energy that was really hard to understand like where it even came from and as I think that's interesting that like an actor is able to capture emotion like that and so I just thought he did a really great job with that apart from that he really invested a lot into this role he spent like a whole year learning how to sing and play the piano so he could genuinely perform and I always find that really compelling because I don't have the patience for anything like that so I just it just like it's astounding to me that people do that just to play 
a role in what like a film that they filmed for two months like it's it's wild um and then something else i read that i thought was really interesting was they did do a combination of lip sync post dub and live singing for the musical scene so kind of depending on the emotional level that they needed was kind of what dictated or got kind of guided what they did i read that there was one scene where andrew garfield got so caught up in the moment that he just started singing and belting it out and the COVID compliance officer had to come and kind of scold the production for allowing that to happen because I guess whatever the scenario was that day, they weren't supposed to be doing the live singing. But it actually obviously added to the scene and Lin-Manuel Miranda encouraged it. And it's just really fascinating that like in this time we're living in, that that is seen as something of like a safety risk. But they went for it anyway, and clearly it paid off. Um, yeah, the musical numbers I thought were really good. Uh, not being familiar with any of them, I found myself intrigued by them. The one song where him and Vanessa Hudgens are singing together about his real-life relationship was fantastic. And it reminded me of Chicago, kind of just like that puppet scene, like kind of that vibe. So if you are a fan of musicals, if you're a fan of Rent, if you're a fan of stories about people involved in that industry, this is definitely worth seeing. It brings an interesting look at this person's life. As I mentioned, it does start with the video footage. It also ends with the video footage where they kind of talk about how he eventually goes on to write Rent. And then you also learn that he dies, which is something that I did not know. He dies at age 35. This movie starts when he's age 30. So you're getting just like this very brief glimpse of the later years of his life. And it's just really tragic once you know that. And he never even got to see Rent performed on stage. He literally died the night before it happened. It's just mind-blowing to me. Like, I never realized any of that. And so just learning that was really cool. And I had read that um, that one of the producers or someone didn't want them to include the bit about Rent and him passing away, but Lin-Manuel Miranda thought it was necessary for a casual viewer or, you know, someone who isn't so wrapped up in that world and knows who John Larson is. And I'm, as someone who fits that description perfectly, I am glad that they did that because I thought it was just a really interesting way to learn about this person. And even through the movie, you could kind of pick up on scenarios and situations that were developing that you could tell would ultimately lead to inspiration for Rent. And it was just really cool to kind of see that all play out. And it I don't know how they did it, but they did kind of build the suspense of feeling like it was all just gonna like escalate at some point, like the tick tick boom aspect. And it's just really well done. Um it's on Netflix as I mentioned, so it's definitely worth watching. I'm sure it'll get nominated for some awards. Lin-Manuel Miranda is turning into kind of an awards darling. So I'm sure it'll get recognized for maybe score, maybe directing, maybe something to do with um, screenplay. It's an adapted thing. And Andrew Garfield, I'm sure, will get nominated for acting. I believe he won the Golden Globe for this role in this year's weirdly played out on televised show. Uh, I don't really know how much clout we're putting into the Globes this year, 
But typically, those kind of would dictate who might land in the Oscar categories and who might even win them. So it would be kind of cool just because he's such a great actor. And just with the whole this whole kind of resurgence of Andrew Garfield, it would be nice to see him get recognized for that work. And I, like I said, am positive it will be up for something, at least just acting alone. So I'll be kind of excited to see how this one falls into place once all the nominations come out. Uh, But that is Tick, Tick, Boom. On the next episode, I'm going to be getting a little musical and going into West Side Story and Encanto. Also, within the next week, the Oscar nominations for 2022 are being announced. So there is a lot of good things ahead. Thank you for listening today and for joining me on yet another trip to the movies.